Welcome to the Scariest Things Podcast, your gateway to the trends and tropes of the horror genre. This is episode 132, our summer horror movie festival recap. Yeah, and now that uh, actually summer is now at least a few weeks old. Over. Summer is over. Yeah. We got a recap. Yeah. This is Mike Campbell again, and I am joined by... Eric Lee. And... Liz Williams. All right, so what did you guys see this summer in the movie festival world? Surprisingly, uh, uh, a lot more movies than I expected to. What, yeah. what were yeah. some of the What were some of the take homes? Well, we're going to get into it. No spoilers here. Come well, on. no, no, I'm not saying spoilers. But what were some of the What were some of the what, overarching what themes you saw? Yeah. What well, were some of the was some of the festivals you went to? Uh, well, of course, there's our virtually uh, or otherwise. One of our uh, the, the the festivals that we actually sponsor, the Portland Horror Film Festival. Hell yeah! Yep. What up, Portland Horror Film Festival? Uh, another Northwest Film Festival, which I had higher hopes for, the North Bend Film Festival. Next time, North Bend. Yeah, step it up. Very, step it very up. Very light on the horror this time, but there you, was one awesome uh, one. Yeah, you can do a little better, North Bend. We and, know you got it in you. We're coming next time. Right, and then one of the bigger ones, which was popcorn frights. Yeah, uh, which had yeah. We, um, you know, granted, I think there were uh, a number of clunkers coming out of um, popcorn mm, frights, yeah. but they had so many movies uh, that by the time we actually got around to it, we found a lot of good ones towards the end. Mm-hmm. I had better luck than these guys did. Popcorn and fries. And I had Panic Fest too. As yep. oh yeah, that's right. Mine. So there was some good stuff in that one. Popcorn Frights is like guys. the the Amazon of film festivals, where they just throw it all out there. Yeah. And and you just cross your fingers and hope that it sticks. Historically, it's Popcorn Frights has brought really good stuff to the table, and they've had always some of the best independent horror every year. And right. I, I think they did this year too. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it'll be very interesting to see what what sticks and what becomes successful coming out of that festival. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, I've got one from Popcorn Frights. I think Portland Horror Film Festival is more like Canopy, right? Where it's it's well curated. Yep. It's, yeah. very, it's very selective and all the films are very interesting. And they're very independent. A lot of, yep. the, a lot of the ones that, that you're not going to run into your A24s, your Blumhouse, or, you know, some of, some of the, the, the middle tier studio kinds of things. Um, I think I think uh, Portland Horror Film Festival leans heavily on I'm, I made it under a budget of under a million mm-hmm. bucks and, right. and look what I did. Right. Uh, I mean, they've, in the past, they've come out with some things like uh, Puppet Master, Louis yeah, yeah. Reich, and, mm-hmm. and which is uh, still teeny tiny. Yeah, a, a fairly small yeah. budget, but it, but it's it that was uh, Cinestate, which is a yeah. one of those middle tier. Yeah, yeah, production yeah. companies. That was probably like a two million dollar film. Yeah, something like that. But these are the I think the the spirit of a lot of this stuff and. Um, from Portland Horror Film Festival is the um, the, lo- the a lot of local local uh, producers and mm-hmm. in this year a lot of uh, filmmakers who did things from home right uh, mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean that was the that was the the continual theme that I saw running through a lot of these these uh, film festivals this summer was a lot of innovation, a lot of smaller films, the the films that basically made the decision we don't need to be epic, not everything needs to be a Marvel showdown to save the universe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of very, very, as you just mentioned, a lot of very, very clever and simple uses of technologies that you wouldn't think would make for a great horror film. Oh, but au contraire, yeah. it, they do. Right. They do, yeah. they do. And the other thing about, um, actually, both of the festivals that, that the Callahans put on uh, lean heavily on the short film. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and, yeah. And, and they have, 
they curate, they get, they, they make so it over a thousand uh, yeah. uh, applications and, and they'll put 50 of the best ones that they get. Uh, and um, they do get some awesome, awesome uh, short films. And you'll be seeing another uh, podcast from us soon, which is, or you may have actually, by the time trying to figure out when we're going to be posting this one. Yeah. Um, that uh, Tim Schechmeyer, uh, uh, Schechmeister, who did um, Hello. Hello. We got a Hello. chance to interview him and talk about his film, and we're actually going to be able to post his uh, film for audiences pretty soon here. So stay indeed, tuned for indeed. that. Yeah. All right. Very so cool. so the ultimate question. Here is the ultimate question. Do you guys want the good news first, or do you want the bad news first? Are we, are we talking about the clunkers? Okay, bad news. Yeah, let's go. Oh. Let's let's open up with the stinkers. Clunkers first. Oh my goodness! All right, yeah. let's do it. Let's get yeah. the let's, let's get the let's, stink let's, out of the way. Flush, flush the system. <laughs> Eric, what was the stinkiest film you saw in film festivals this summer? I saw uh, this one. This is well, as we said, Popcorn Frights had some few had a few duds. Uh huh. And for me, uh, not mil- not milk duds. No dud duds. <laughs> These are dud. Well, like you know how milk duds kind of look like rabbit turds. <laughs> like, this is this is. This would be kind of a rabbit turd. It's not a big turd, but it's a uh, because it didn't it didn't have high ambitions. Uh, this is kind of like it's it just kind of got squeezed out, and this is what you got. Um, so this is blood conscious. Uh, oh, I agree. I didn't even make it through. Yeah, this, one. <laughs> this is, this is in, in Liz's world. Liz shuts these things down. Yeah, she, I do. Um, I I I took one for the team because I had actually come off of a streak of seeing four movies that I really liked out of in out of Popcorn Frights. This was not one of them. Um, so this is a actually I, I was I may have been wrong in in stating how ambitious this thing is. Blood Conscious is a movie whose ambitions exceeded the execution of the film. Uh, it's this cabin in the woods thriller treads familiar territory and sets up some recognized trope concepts, but doesn't pay them off at all. It's a mix of they, they, the the promotional material says this is a mix of the thing and Get Out, which is all right. Mm. Good luck. <laughs> right. yeah. it's, a, it's a pretty tall order. Um, it's ironically largely bloodless, with the exception of a few carefully pla- placed corpses. There's hints of potential doppelgangers, which is sadly never developed, because you know if you actually could do some good doppelganger action, you know transformational. Uh, scenes are the things that usually sell those, whether it's body snatchers or the thing, or right. you know, uh, the these uh, this, those those kinds of switcheroos. It set, sells the angle and the fantastic factor and some potentially good body horror, but none of that happens. What you end up with is people acting almost crazy and suggestions of paranoia that aren't earned, and the movie comes down to a lot of yelling and a lot of ac- and a lot of action that mm-hmm. happens off frame which is one thing if you want to hide your monster but if you're not going to show any monsters it just becomes you had no budget and you had no idea where right. this movie was going to go All right. um, and there's also little to no significance for the fact that this is a large this is an entirely black cast of characters doing a cabin in the in the woods trope you could have used anybody. Right. Now, right, I'm, not, right. I'm not asking someone to do social commentary right. and making a big thing about the black experience in the woods, but it would have been nice to say that, that to make it feel sort of resonant within these characters. It, yeah, yeah. it isn't. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 uh, there's, there's one good acting performance by a young man named Oganiro Gbaje. Uh huh. A difficult name, for, I don't know, Nigerian or something, who plays the college age little brother who does a commendable job for being the most curious and suspicious character in the cast. But when you come down to it, the biggest sin of this movie is it's the worst thing you can do to a horror movie, and it's boring. All right. Liz, yeah. what was the worst thing you saw this summer? 
Mine also came out of um, popcorn frights, but I'm not going to blame them. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> this came from uh, this came from Panic Fest. I'm sorry because this is the gin. IFC Midnight's a uh, little. Oh right, gin movie. <laughs> I mean, <Right>. so okay. <laughs> this stars Ezra Dewey as a mute twelve-year-old mourning the loss of his mother and. He and his dad, who's a smooth rock radio DJ, just moved into a new apartment. And um, he settles into his new room and he finds a dusty old spell book in his closet and performs a ritual that's going to grant his heart's desire. Of course, you know, it's going to be like a voice. But he's got to survive for one hour with the djinn who he summoned um, or he won't get the wish but take his soul. So here's the deal. This film is two hours long. And for 75% of the movie, it is so boring. And they're literally in a two-bedroom apartment, so there's not that many places he can be hiding from this gin. <laughs> but he keeps trying. And I said, it's a testament to the talents of Ezra Dewey, who single-handedly holds the viewer's interest without saying a word until the action finally ramps up in the last quarter of the film. Um, another thing that I didn't like about this film is that it's rated R, but it's absolutely a gateway film. Um, huh. So I think that this is for budding horror fans more than the hardcore genre folk. And it's not just because of the young protagonist, but because there isn't really anything be new being done here. And then what I hated most is that they completely had a exposition moment at the end. Completely unneeded. We got it. It was a very cut and dry story that didn't need to be recapped, you know, like in someone's head to be like, this is how it works. And uh I don't know. It had a good soundtrack that was all like synth pop from the 80s. Eh. And the kid was great. But eh, eh. I was really looking forward to it. And it was did not deliver. let down by but, it. I gave it uh, two and a half stars. Yeah. Woo. Did you make it to the end? I did make it to the end. And then I got pissed like, you know, <laughs> threw my popcorn and said, I don't need, I don't need a recap. I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah. I just watched this for two hours. I didn't forget what just happened. <laughs> yeah, so I think I think I gave uh, Blood Conscious dump. two stars also. Two stars? Yeah. All right. This is a one-star film. Right, Mike. Okay, this is a nice. one-star film. Eric, what are the two things I love? Uh, horror, and heavy metal. horror and heavy metal. Thank you. <laughs> this is a film that was directed by Mike Schiff. Uh, this is the history of horror and heavy metal, or heavy metal and horror from Popcorn Frights. Uh, this stars John Carpenter, Tom Savini, Alice Cooper, Kirk Hammett, Rob Zombie, Kane Hodder, and Dave Mustaine, and Alice Cooper, and Jonathan Davis, you know. and Corey, Corey Taylor. Yeah. I mean... It is a virtual who's who of heavy metal and, frankly, horror, really. And the whole film is stitched together with Michael Berryman, believe it or not. Uh, Michael, another, yeah, you know him. Michael uh, Berryman yeah. plays this. Uh, they use this really silly and kind of amateurish device where the whole film is set in the future in an apocalyptic world. And Michael Berryman is the narrator of a VHS series that this uh, lone apocalyptic wanderer wanders upon not the guy you would expect and to how are they going to get narrator. a vhs and he pops these vhs's into this <laughs> into this machine and and it is a history they apparently they recorded the whole history of heavy metal before the world ended and and before cds came out or <laughs> yeah it's the whole thing is just absolutely ridiculous which is really too bad because they had such an incredible wealth of people to lean on and talk about heavy metal and horror, but what the ultimate ultimately the film devolves into is a whole lot of, and I kid you not, a whole lot of 
metal musicians saying things like, oh, yeah, you remember The Exorcist? Oh, yeah, that film really freaked me out. Isn't that film freaky? Yeah, it's really scary. <laughs> and that's Ooh, that's insight. really yeah that's <laughs> really about that, yeah that's really about the ex, that's really about the extent and the level of sort of like intellectualism that they apply to horror movies and it's just it was a crying shame i mean it was really really a crying shame and it was such a waste of all these talents i give it a one star don't see heavy metal and Glurg. horror, even though it's got an incredible, incredible cast of people. All right, so we did the good, we did the bad. Now, now we've got let's do the good. System. Let's okay. do the good. Yeah. <sighs> okay, out of the good. system, out of the system. Okay, deep breath, deep breath. We're talking yeah. awesome okay. films now Reset that we button. saw this summer. Okay, Eric, go. All right. Well, uh, I'm just gonna quick reference to two movies that we've already talked about, which I saw that I really liked, that would have also probably vied for this. Uh, Tailgate from the North Bend Film Festival, which was uh, the uh, uh, Belgian... Isn't that like Dutch? Tailgate. Okay, it's Belgian. Dutch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's Belgian, but yeah. That, okay. that was really intense thriller. Wait, are, you, are you sneaking in like five films here? I just made, well, yes, I mentioned them before. I am. It's but his birthday. Is, yeah. Oh, that's give true. Me, okay, it's your give birthday. Me a break. <laughs> it's your birthday. Okay. Um, you and Turn of the Screw, which is a really nice adaption of the yeah. of oh, the yeah, classic yeah. story. Yeah. Talked about those before. They could have okay. made this list, but I'm going mm-hmm. with three others. Um, my first on this list is Verdelac Blood from oh, yeah. Argentina ah. that played at the Portland Horror Film Festival, but it's making its way through a number of the other festivals in the circuit. I think mm-hmm. it was also on on Fantasia and a couple of the other ones. Uh, Joseph had actually covered it for us, but I'm in full agreement with him. This is a very moody and very personal feeling uh, Argentinian vampire movie about the power and bonds of blood and trust within an isolated family. And, you know, this is the second great Argentinian horror movie uh, because Atarados, which was another one. um, And this one goes right up there with it. It's quiet, but it's about... Uh, a, a family led by an old veterinarian, and he shutters up the house at 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 at, uh, at night for some unknown reason, and just tries to tries to protect his family and doesn't allow them to go out and meet anybody else. They live out on a farm, mm-hmm. out in the countryside, and he has a daughter who wants to go out and uh, and meet young men because she's a teenager. That's right? what she does. That the teenagers That's how they do, and and one night she goes out there to try and hang out with her forbidden boyfriend, but she gets picked up by this creepy old dude who try. He says, "I can take you back to your house," and uh, he turns out to be a vertilac, oh, which is a vampire. Um, and it's an, and a vertilac is a, is an old creature that feasts on its own family in order to sustain its life, and so apparently this is a curse. Put upon this particular family, huh. and and then she manages to escape with the, the help of her boyfriend. They go back to the house. The father goes back and says, "I'm going to deal with it." He takes a shotgun and he goes, "If I if I'm not back in the daytime, kill me." Woo! And he comes right. back at daybreak, and he goes, "Let me in. I'm tired. I've done it. I've killed him." And the kids go, "I don't know. Maybe you're a vampire." And and what the daughter goes, "No, we got to bring him in." It's very intense. The, the it, it, it and it and it puts pressure on all the kids. It's it is one that sort of draws you into the whole family dynamic. It's great. 
Okay. I, you know, and Vertilac. That's, oh. So Vertilac Blood, uh, I don't think it is out yet uh, for streaming, um, but this is uh, it's a beautifully executed, um, somber vampire story. There you go. All right, Liz. Okay, mine is also coming from the Portland Horror Film Festival, and this is Mareld, which is a mm-hmm. Swedish oh, yeah. film uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from Ove Valskog, who did Holdra, Lady of the Forest, which either showed at Portland Horror or H.P. Lovecraft, I can't remember. Um, it's an experimental folk horror film, and I said add that to my wheelhouse. I think if you listen to folk horror, you'll realize... It was already there in my wheelhouse. Um, it's <laughs> you just didn't fiction know and it. reality. I didn't know it. Um, it's shot as a thriller and also a making of documentary about the movie they're making inside the movie with yeah, all the actors' meta. real name. Super, super meta. Um, Here's the basics. A group of actors set sail on a catamaran in the Swedish archipelago to shoot a movie. They are headed to an island called... Dragoroten, where a few hundred years ago there lived a witch who used to light fires to lure sailors to their death until she was burned to death in one of her own fires, and now she's rumored to haunt the island as a spirit. Um, Okay, so this has got gorgeous people, gorgeous scenery, folk horror, and it takes place in the day. So that's like a four out of four for me. I like (laughs) all of those things. Um, My only problem was that it kind of took a while to get to the like quote unquote good stuff. And it was a little bit confusing, um, which kind of, they had ratcheted up tension. And then when you're like, what is going on? Um, but Hey, it didn't matter. Everybody is gorgeous. Sweden is gorgeous. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I said also this would pair well with like the beach or dead calm. Oh, nice. Perfect mix of stunning seascapes and nail biting tension. And And this one, Yeah, and beautiful people, seriously. Um, This one is also not streaming yet. It is still festivaling around, so we will keep you posted when you can see it. Uh, But there's a trailer on our website. I thought you were going to say it would pair well with a nice glass of white wine. (laughs) I mean, on my yacht, you know. (laughs) All right. Uh, This is a film that Joseph Perry said, this is the best film I saw this year, and I went, what? No. Well, you always really? take Joseph seriously whenever Joseph says that. I know, that. I do. But then I was like, okay, I'll watch it. This is the last matinee from the Popcorn Frights Film Festival, directed by Maximiliano Contente. And as Eric was just talking about Argent, Argent, uh, Argentina, this is actually a film from Uruguay. So we're yeah, first we're, one from Uruguay. I know, we're sticking in South America. This is a loving homage to Argento and Fulci, and Grindhouse Cinema, and Slashers, and grimy movie theaters, and it's really kind of a loving homage, ultimately, to the Lamberto Bava film, Demons. It is, it all takes place in a movie theater that is, it's the last, it's the last show of the day, and a slasher is slowly picking off everybody in the movie theater, and he is doing a whole nasty bit with eyeballs. And it is uh, so, <laughs> so, so gnarly. But the thing that's really cool about the film is Contente, he deploys this really cool, um, this really interesting device where he effectively shows a horror film within a horror film. And he shows this actually uh, perfectly awful, awful horror film called Frankenstein Day of the Beast. 
I've not seen Frankenstein Day of the Beast, so I can't really <laughs> speak to it in in total. But it's an English film, which is funny because it's a it's a you know the the um uh, the last matinee is an Uruguayan film, but they're showing an English film within an Uruguayan film. And it's this kind of interesting juxtaposition of the two things, but it's a horror film within a horror film. And they're showing it like constantly throughout uh, the last matinee. Great, beautiful looking film. And it's also set kind of almost inexplicably in 1993, but it's got this super awesome 1993 movie vibe. Uh, Like everything from the posters to the costuming, to to the neon lighting, to the you know the soda dispensers, all of that. It it just it just reeks of 1993. The last matinee, go see it. Bring it, it is, Uruguay. I would yes. have I would have figured that the oh, first one they would oh. have done would have been like a soccer horror movie. Yeah, well, you yeah. <laughs> know. <laughs> They've already done Goal of the Dead. Okay, no, they, no so who who what, what, I, I, think Goal, I think Goal of the Dead is French. Okay. I think yes. Yeah. Okay. So someone has done a horror yeah. soccer movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so my number Football. two movie, uh, this one, so uh, Redeeming Popcorn Frights here. Yes. This is uh, Superhost, uh, which I gave four and a half stars. Uh, smash that like button. Uh, two travel <laughs> YouTubers on a, mi- a mission to bolster the diminishing viewer interest uh, visit a vacation rental cabin with an eccentric Superhost who transforms from an off-putting oddball to an imminent threat over their vacation stay. This movie I described has an inertia like a locomotive covered in razor blades <laughs> with a near perfect build of tension and release. Uh, this movie had me exhausted at the end, and perhaps it's because as a web developer and podcaster myself, who probably too often obsesses with how to grow our viewership, I can identify closely with Teddy, played by Osric Chow, and Claire by Sarah Canning as the two dating bloggers who whose uh, po- uh, po- video blog, Superhost, has been shedding viewers, and they can sense that their own dreams are slipping away. Um, for those who, of you who haven't used Airbnb or VRBO rentals, the term Superhost applies to uh, reliable excellence in vacation lodge hosting. She's not, the, But the woman that checks them in is a complete nutbag. And uh, if you've seen the movie Creep, it's a close mm-hmm. analogy to creep. Oh, really? I would I like say, with I would B, say, B I Mark Duplass. Yeah, and I yep. think I would say I I liked I like them both a lot. They both both of the the eccentric oddball characters make you uneasy from the moment you meet them, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And both of them, this one gets more visceral and more violent. Um, right. Wow. And okay. also Barbara Crampton's in this movie, which is a nice little Yay. thing. Yeah, Yay, yeah. Barbara nice. Crampton. Um, so the you know the the Rebecca is the is the weirdo uh, uh, landlady, uh, socially very awkward, and off the charts on the spectrum side. Yeah, uh, yeah. And it's almost to the point okay. where it's like, oh, I just uh, don't want to be too close to you just because you're weird. And and then once she goes from weird to incredibly violent, uh, they do the violence really really well. And you you go, oh Jesus, guys, just and and they they kind of play it out. The the, the the protagonists play it smart, but it ain't it ain't pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. So, anyways, I I it strongly resembles both. Yeah, the the rental, which was another movie from Great last year. Movie. Yeah, and yeah. The, and, and creep. creep yeah. So, if you like okay. those kinds of things, this was this actually won the popcorn frights best in show. 
So oh, cool. This was so that's so it's not just me, but the the festival audience voted this one as the best Agreed. movie of the uh, uh, of the festival. All right, Liz. Okay. All right, mine's also coming from Popcorn Frights for real this time, and this is um, <laughs> the Howling Village, oh, which yeah. is the latest offering from Juon creator Takashi Shimizu, and. Um, this is about a young couple named Akina and Yuma who are attempting to visit the scariest spirit spot in Japan, which is called the Howling Village. And you get there by waiting by a cursed phone booth that rings at 2 a.m. and invites you to proceed down a creepy tunnel that leads to this town um, or village that mysteriously disappeared in the 1940s. Um, so in the village, Akina has an experiment experience so terrifying it leaves her practically catatonic only able to mutter the words to a very strange song about sealing up the secrets of the past. Okay, so then uh, the family needs to go in into the Howling Village to learn what uh, drove Akina to take her own life because she does that after being in the village and a terrifying story is unlocked. So I give this four out of five. I think at least half a star could be for 90s and 2000s J-horror nostalgia because it feels like that. Mm-hmm. It runs a little bit long, which is its problem. And as some of these do, it gets kind of rapey. So, Ugh. you know, yeah. It, it, so I don't know. That would be like not going to get it a five yep. star. But red flag. solid, yeah. yeah, red flag, solid um, J-horror. Nice to have this director bringing us something new in yeah. horror again. And uh, it really, if you're a J-horror fan from the 90s and 2000s, you will settle right back into this one. Shimizu's a and, legend. And oh, yeah. yeah, he is. He's a complete legend. Um, so this one had its U.S. premiere at Popcorn Frights, but it is now available for you to rent on all your little streaming platforms. Oh, so cool. Nice. You okay. can check it out. The all Howling right. Village. Yeah, I want to see this. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I saw that. It's it was good. I think they had a pretty big to do on it on Shutter. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, my next film is a film directed by Christian Nielsen called Dash Cam. This is, I described, oh, yeah. the son of De Palma's blowout, the grandson of Michelangelo Antonio's blow up. This is a new vision of paranoid conspiracy theories as told through the latest fan dangled piece of technology, or in this case, technologies. And this film even stars. Larry Fessenden. Of course it does. <laughs> wow, of course it does. Because Larry Fessenden's kind of in everything. Yeah. Uh, this is a really great film, and uh, it, it, it's and it's it's in, it's incredible because it is, as I said, it's sort of in the cramped mind of this computer obsessive uh, news editor Jake. Uh, but the literally the whole film takes place at his desk. In Premiere Pro, if you've ever used Premiere Pro, the video editing software, you will love this film. Uh, For those of you who haven't used Premiere Pro, the video editing software, you will still love it because it's basically him pulling apart what, what really amounts to sort of a true crime story, a murder story on his computer. And, uh, the story very simply is that, um, the uh, New York State Attorney General, uh, played by Larry Fessenden, he may or may not have been—he <laughs> may or may not have been the victim of political assassination by the governor, and what? somebody in the police department accidentally sends to Jake uh, the dumb luck discovery story of a lifetime 
essentially all the um, all the digital files around surrounding the uh, assassination uh, or the assassination of the attorney general. And Jake starts to pull apart everything and quickly realizes he is in way, way over his head and it is way too deep. So if you thought Brian De Palma's uh, blowout was a horror film or if you thought uh, Antonio's blow up was a horror film, uh, it's probably on the edge of horror is what I would say. It probably leans a little Mm -hmm. bit more to the action and suspense side of things, but it is goddamn good and really compelling and unlike some of the films we've talked talked about tonight it is tight and short and simple and keeps it it keeps it like right in like an hour 15 minutes which is wow anymore that's wow that's, that's like that's, that's like, the sweet spot that's like an old 1930s universal runtime it is nice. it is and you you look at it and you go okay i can do an hour and 15 minutes I can't do three hours or even two hours is <laughs> right. too, too much, yeah. but this like keeps it right in that nice little sweet spot. Eric, what is the next film you saw this summer? Well, as I had mentioned to you before, I had, I had come off a string of actually watching a number of really good Popcorn Frights movies. Um, this one I also gave four and a half stars, and this is a movie called Val, uh, yeah. direct, directed by okay. Aaron Fradkin, starring right. Misha Reeves and Zachary Morin. Uh, come for the promise of a devilishly sexy good time. Stay for some fantastic character arcs and hugely expressive acting performances. Uh, Val, which uh, has its had its uh, uh, world, uh, world premiere at Popcorn Frights, is colorful, saucy, and snappy, with an undercurrent of something very dark and ominous just underneath the surface. And sometimes you just want to soak in a story that gives you two great ambiguous protagonists and watch them play against of each other. Uh, one where the story grows as they draw out more about each other's backgrounds and motivations. And this, uh, it's, it's a movie that, that has lots of secrets that get unveiled. And, um, it, it starts with a police search where, uh, they, there's a manhunt for, um, uh, a killer. And, and then there, you, you see the, the cops find the guy. And then all of a sudden it's like the, the radio goes, we lost him. He's he's loose. And then it cuts to a, a woman doing her nails, and she's in lingerie, and she is a high class escort. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's uh, she's practicing the line. It was so nice spending this time with you, which has it's a and this this phrase is loaded because as it comes comes to it, she's more than just a high high priced hooker. Uh, she is, there's something, there's something else to her. And eventually this, this runaway criminal hides out in her, uh, mansion-y old, old haunted housey kind of a mansion thing. Unbeknownst um, to her? No, she eventually, okay. finds, she eventually, okay. she, she, he stumbles across her. Yeah. And it is this really, they have this kind of this banter where he, he takes her hostage. She goes, oh no, you know, it's like, what, you know, it's like, and I'll do whatever you say. And, and. And he 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 keeps on threatening like he's gonna he's he, he's all bad news. Turns out he's not really all that bad news, and she's much more bad news than she leads on to be because she's essentially the devil. Right, right, um, right. And uh, it is it is a lot of fun. The banter and dialogue is super cool. It's it's really well shot. Wait, the, the escort is the devil. The escort's the devil, and wow. he is sort of trapped in he's trapped in purgatory. Oh, interesting. And uh, but he doesn't, and she slowly starts trying to clue him in because her first, her first 
appointment yeah. comes in and he's this big, he's this big burly, burly dude with a glassy eye and, and, uh, and then they, he gets the, he, he finds this big dude finds, finds our, our criminal runaway and they get into a fight and, um, uh, Finn, the criminal uh-huh. ends up killing Freddie, the big dude. And then he comes back to life. He's yeah, a, yeah. a zombie thing. And then, but it's, but all these kind of things, but eventually he starts, fig- you know, the, she, the Val, uh-huh. has, with, and it's, it's the short for, um, uh, oh gosh, what is Valifar, who is actually a true, uh, Duke Duchess of hell. Oh. In, in, in some, if you look it up, you, there's sure. the, the, you, you can Google it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she she's toying with him, but she's she's kind of a fun devil. Uh huh. But he's got it. But it's a, it's a very Faustian kind of a deal, and then and it explores exactly what kind of a criminal he is and what kinds of things she expects of him. And it's it was just a lot of fun. It was it, it may not it's it's a it's light on the on the on the horror violence side, but it is a wonderful wonderful story. I really enjoyed it. It's so. got it's got the devil. So it's got the devil. Yeah, and that usually says horror, right? And you know, and there's <laughs> and there's a zombie in there too. And it's and but I think that the the thing is that you watch this actress, uh, uh, Misha Reeves, and her she's got one of those plastic faces, and you just fall in love with this character, um, and. She has a bit of the Mae West come up and see me sometime. Right, right. Kind right. of a kind of a thing going on. And it's uh, you know, it 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 will probably go down as one of my favorite acting performances of the year. All right. All right. Oh, all right. Go Liz. see Val. All right, Liz, what is the last okay. film of the night for the it summer? Is this one came from Panic Fest, and this is an Australian uh, movie called An Ideal Host. So I gave this four out of five. Um And, okay, so here's the synopsis. Liz and her soon-to-be fiancé, Jackson, are preparing to host the perfect dinner party to celebrate their return to the small Australian town of Wellworth, population 78, where they both grew up. The table's finally set, the seating is assigned, and the evening's itinerary is carefully printed. There's room for Brett, Mara, Kyle, and his plus one. But then they learn that Liz's estranged friend, Daisy, has decided to crash the party, and the carefully curated event begins to unwind. But she will not be the only unwanted guest. Um, Okay, so as the night begins to unravel, because everybody starts getting wasted, they realize that uh, one of the people at the party is an alien, and they're in the (laughs) midst of an alien invasion. And the only way to lure the alien out is by playing a game of spin the bottle. But it was good, (laughs) because it it happened at the time she had had planned for her after-dinner party games anyway. So, and then I put, once revealed as an alien invasion film, this quirky comedy of errors becomes a full-on horror bloodbath with tons of gore, and Liz shines not just as a perfect hostess, but an epic final girl. Um, It does does a really, really good job walking the horror comedy tightrope that so many Australian films excel at. And the performances are wonderful. This is a tight 85-minute runtime. And according to IMDb, this film was made for 20000 Australian dollars, which is about $15,000. Wow. And what they managed to achieve on that budget is amazing. The director is named Robert Woods. So hopefully this film will get picked up by somebody because right now it is still... 
festivaling around. So you will have to stay tuned on where to find it. But this was a lot of fun. A wonderful horror comedy. That's as incredible. As Aussies like to give us. $15,000. Yep, it was awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last film of the night is a film directed by Peter Drago Teeman. This is straight out of the Pacific Northwest. The stairs. Yay. This is the same. Oh yeah, this is a good this, one. This I, got is, to, I got to hang out with this guy over at, at Gwen and Brian's booth when I was helping them out at Rose City Comic Con. So I got to, to talk with the director. He's really great. Oh cool. yeah, yeah. It's a. It's this is so. So for those of you who don't know, this is the same team that brought you 2018's Big Legend. Uh, this is a far more. Oh, it da- is. Yeah, this is a far more that. daring okay. film yeah. than Big Legend. If. If not a little less linear, <laughs> quite a uh, bit. That, that this was kind of a little bit of spaghetti at the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's a little, sp- little spaghetti at the walls, but in I think uh, a a pretty decent way. Um, it's a it's a far more complex bit of business than than uh, Big Legend, uh, but it does have a fun sort of cautionary camping tale. I guess the thing I loved about this is, as we all know, with the Scariest Things podcast, we love our protagonists. We love to invest our time and energy and interests in the characters, and all the characters in this film are absolutely effortless, and the casting around it was incredible, and you really, really do like and care for all the characters. You even, even Trumper uh, Bo Duke, uh, John Snyder, you you care about him, and he is only in the film for a short bit. But you're like, oh my god, that's that's Bo Duke Trumper, who is <laughs> like, oh my god, this is so awesome that Bo Duke is back on the silver screen, or I guess you, he never you he get never those Duke boys he never left the silver screen. Um, it's uh it it's uh basically Bo Duke and his uh and his uh, grandson set out for a hunting trip and they discover this very off-putting and ill-placed set of stairs out in the middle of the woods. And yep. that is all I'm going to say about the film because anything mm-hmm. anything beyond that is way too much I, too much exposition. The good thing about the stairs is it is streaming now pretty much everywhere you can imagine so you can see the stairs even though this did get its I think I think it's actual premiere premiere. Yeah. Uh, definitely it's Northwest premiere at yeah. the Portland Horror yeah. Film Festival. I, I will say uh, Dirty Doug got done wrong. Yes, Dirty he's Doug. Like, he, he deserved better. <laughs> Dirty Doug. I love did. Dirty Doug. That was my favorite favorite character. Dirty Doug is, yeah, he's, yes. the uh, Yeah, the that's the thing that's incredible is like each character in the film is like better than the last. Yep. Yeah, it is great. Uh, great fun watching all the all, all of that play out. Even if even if some of the stuff really didn't make sense, you still were sort of tied to the plot. It was oh my gosh. It was kind of it was it was it was odd that something that that really sort of reached into its grab bag full of tricks. Um, but I think you know people should know. Don't you know, if you go into the woods and you see a stair that goes to nowhere, don't don't go near it. Just, don't go just on, yeah. Walk <laughs> Stay away. away from it. Stay on the trail. Yep. Stay on the trail. So let's, all right. Uh, recap. Uh, yes. Eric, what do you got? All right, so my my movie that I will caution you to stay away from is uh, Blood Conscious. It is streaming uh, currently on uh, on Shutter, I believe. Um, stay away do, from Blood but Conscious, uh, unless you like boring movies. I'd stay away from it. All right, <laughs> what um, should we see? What should you see? Well, I've got three, and the first one is Vertilac Blood uh, from Argentina. Uh, not yet currently streaming. Um, my second movie is uh, Superhost, uh, 
And that one is uh, streaming now. You can get it. Uh, that's through Shutter. Not surprisingly, I think uh, if you anything that was marginally successful at, <laughs> at Popcorn Fights is going to get the Shutter the Shutter yep. branding. Um, and uh, so was and Val also is. I think actually Val Val will get its uh, premiere on Shutter on October the fifth. I think oh. so. We're close. Yeah, very close. All right, Liz, what do you got? Okay, I my one that I did not love was the gin uh, yep. that I saw at Panic Fest. But the ones that I did love are Mareld uh, from Portland Horror Film Festival, Howling Village from Popcorn Frights, which is available to rent streaming, and The Ideal Host from Panic Fest. And when Mareld and The Ideal Host become available, we will let you know. All right. Uh, my three films were The Last Matinee from Uruguay, Dash Cam, which is a wonderful little piece of film work starring Larry Fessenden, uh, and then, of course, uh, the Pacific Northwest's own The Stairs. And I do have a tagline to take us out of here tonight. Bring it. All right. From The Last Matinee. No talking, no texting, no breathing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's great. That is great. 